This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. This is a wild game of survival. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women losing their marbles. I'm Jill Lipset, and I'm joined as always by Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hello. Ladies, we are talking about the season slash maybe series finale of Fatal Attraction, episode eight. And all I can say is woof, woof, woof. Uh, yup. What the fuck was this? <laughs> yeah, like what might have been? I've, that song has been in my head all. Joe, I think the technical term is for what happened is pulling something out of your ass the last minute. <laughs> yes, yes. Slash, what the fuck? <sighs> what are you two talking about? They clearly had this whole Ellen thing in the works the entire season. Uh, and, and, you know, decided that their twist was going to be that the real killer was a character the audience probably does not even remember half the time. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, well, why don't we start with the Arthur reveal? Because really, this episode is kind of divided into two parts. We have mm-hmm. Beth's side of the story, because, you know, Amanda Pete has been a huge character in this show. And then we have Arthur's <laughs> side of the story, who we've maybe mentioned once during the name game. If you recall, I don't remember which one of us, I think it was me that said it took me three episodes to realize that Beth's second husband was the same guy who was there, mm-hmm. their, their friend in flashbacks. And, and it doesn't even, you know, it, which is particularly funny because they don't, you know, he, he looks exactly the same, but the yep. character made such a little, such little impression on me that mm-hmm. I didn't connect them. I'm like, oh, that's her second husband. Okay. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like yeah. he's he's you know her business partner but also her second husband but also he was her best friend but also he was dan's friend and just like boy this is really complicated yeah yeah and like i i was excited because I was like, okay, well, at least there's some darkness in this character. Like, this that's mm-hmm. an interesting... And the way it rolls out in this episode only, like, where he's watching his wife essentially waste away. Like, right. I was into that. I thought they could have done something with this character five episodes ago, and then I would have been into it or it would have felt earned. But then it's not even that he sees an opportunity to kind of ditch his old wife and get a new wife that maybe he's secretly been pining for her this whole time. No, he is the most good guy in quotation marks murderer we possibly could have gotten. He was doing it as a selfless act and then he even comes forward. Like I I I could have swallowed it a little more if there was a sinister element to it, but they tried to let him off the hook as much as possible. No, he's basically like here he's like, I'm helping. Right. <laughs> He does have very Ralph Wiggum energy, you know? Yeah, you know, oh it's like, oh, Beth's sad. What can I do? I'll commit mm. murder for her, you know? I mean... Uh, well, okay. So so let's unpack this. Because, Jen, you said I could have bought it if he had been in love with Beth. And I do think mm. that's what we're meant to take away from this. It's like, mm. yes. sure, he's yes. always played the best friend role to her. But particularly as his wife dies of ovarian cancer, he realizes oh, I have an opportunity to help Beth, who I'm secretly in love with. 
And Mm -hmm. I don't know, it feels like the show either needed to lean into the darkness of that or the romanticism of that. But instead, you're right. It's just, I'm helping by Uh murdering a woman I've literally never met. Right. Who's done, who's done nothing to me. Like, I don't even know, like, how he would have even, you know, gotten the information to just break into her house. Right. Mm. Well, because reasons, you know, <laughs> contractor skills. Sure, you know? yeah. Yeah, who, who used to build that, you know? They were going to a, a really exciting place by implying mm-hmm. that maybe it was Beth that did it. Yeah, right? I would have been into that, too. And then they just, they, they just totally, completely dropped that. They just yep. dropped it immediately. Yeah, because the men ultimately have to be the victims in the show. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> and the women have to be quote-unquote crazy you know women be shopping women be ruining lives and you know Uh, Uh. (laughs) (laughs) it just makes me so mad like what could have been with this so so also this is never actually revealed to the the characters that it was arthur this is only the audience gets to see this right it's a perfect crime (laughs) yeah truly you know so dan like you know he loses his you know his application for a retrial. So he's like, well, all right, that's the end of that. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just gives up. Guess I'll, guess I'll move on with my life. Yeah, until next season. <laughs> what could they possibly do? Oh my God. That's what's terrifying is that this is absolutely set up like a twist with the mm. Ellen shit, which we'll get to oh, later. Yeah. But yeah, you can absolutely tell that they think that there's plenty more story to tell, which in some ways there is because they told no story this season despite needing eight hours to do so yeah they told fractions of 90 stories you know (laughs) (laughs) i couldn't keep any of them straight you know and i did like i i don't know i've been listening to some podcasts about true crime and it is essentially impossible to get a case overturned once you have uh, either pleaded or once the justice Mm -hmm. system has closed the book on you. So, I mean, that, that does feel realistic. It's just like this whole case trying to get it reopened was such a nothing burger Mm -hmm. when there was this whole other story that we could have been focusing on. And then to find out there was this whole other Arthur story we could have focused on too. It just, it's, so like the the balance is so they weird. never even hinted at, at nope. the just just you know it is literally just dropped in the audience's lap in the last episode yeah yeah in in the previously on teaser there's that moment where we were meant to be reminded oh right julia and arthur are offering to pay for dan's entire case right like they Mm. they're the ones who bankrolled the lawyer that ultimately doesn't get him off because dan's a fucking idiot who thinks (laughs) that he can lie his way out of this and that's i think meant to be the big red flag like ooh, if you were paying attention and playing at home detective you would have picked up on hmm why would they offer to do that oh it's because arthur's the one who committed the murder and he feels bad yeah, I thought it was because the wife is dying and basically is like, well, you know, I can't take my money with me, so I might as well do this one one last nice gesture before I die, which, you know, I, sure, I guess, you know? Like, yeah, and that seems plausible, too. It's almost like, like, you get the feeling that it could have been any number of people. And you know how, like, Scream 2 was written with, like, several different people as the killer in case mm-hmm. one of the scripts leaked? It almost feels like that. 
And sure. then like spun the wheel and it landed on Arthur. So that's what the last episode was. You know, it just because because <laughs> like feeling guilty and like you can't take it with you. Like I could buy that as a reason to pay for his defense, which is why I don't think I flagged it as like right. odd. You know, it's what we said in that episode when it turned up. We were like, oh, okay, it makes sense because they don't need all this money and they're good friends mm-hmm. and she's dying. So sure, right. yeah. The scene where he killed her, that did, that was unnerving and it was a little upsetting. And to see how upset he got after killing her, like, I I thought it was a good performance for what he was given to do, you know? Well, again, there's nothing wrong in this show with the acting. Everybody is, everybody is just fine. When I say the character didn't make an impression on me, it's nothing wrong with the, it's nothing to do with the actor's performance. It's just up until this point, they give him so little to do. Mm-hmm. Except to, you know, occasionally look sad because his wife is dying. Mm-hmm. Well, and to be like, I think he cooks breakfast at some point in the future. Or and something. to be like, to be like, you know, a, 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 you know, a nice second husband and stepdad. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. so one of the things we talked about last week when we got Alex's backstory kind of info dump with her father is we said, this is good stuff. It's just it's coming at the wrong point in the season. We needed to see some of this earlier. We had that discussion about whether it would have worked better as a linear show, you know, start with Alex, show her growing up, show her moving to Los Angeles and, and joining victim services and all that kind of stuff. I wonder, was there a way to incorporate Arthur into more of this season that would have made this feel more justified or more balanced? Or do you think they had to keep it this way? Because as soon as you start giving Arthur time, we all look at him and say, oh, well, maybe the reason why is that he's the killer. Maybe? I I don't know. I mean, all I know is that my response was, what? Yeah. (laughs) And and not not in a a, like shocked way, just in a, where did this come from? (laughs) Yeah, and I think maybe we could have gone with what stood and maybe dropped in a little hints. But in order to make that a payoff, I think it would have been way more interesting if either Beth was in on it with him or if like if he was doing it as like a means to like he'd always been pining for and maybe he Mm -hmm. married his wife because like maybe they dated at one point, like drop that kind of stuff in. And then it makes it interesting. And then I can almost handle just springing it on us at the last minute. Here, here, here's here's an easy way this whole story and I could have been remedied. Have uh, Beth and Arthur have already started their romance. Mm-hmm. Like she is, she is, she is also having an affair. Yeah. There you go. Ooh, I would watch that. And 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 she and she is you know angry about this woman interfering in her her cushy life. You know, mm-hmm. and and so yeah, she recruits Arthur to tiller for her. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it does play a little too much into the you know all women are you know manipulative bitches kind of you know thing, which but you know at least it would have given the show some juice, right? And, and it would have been a much more entertaining and creative way to take the story in another direction than than what they ultimately did with it. Well, and that's part of my issue with this is that not only does this Arthur thing feel like it comes out of nowhere, you know, sure, it makes kind of sense when you think back and given what we see in this episode, fine, like it doesn't entirely work. It's just that I don't think it was well structured. Yeah. But putting that aside, the issue is that the reveal doesn't feel 
satisfying. It doesn't have any kind of. It's anticlimactic. It's, yeah, it's anticlimactic yeah. because because no because none of the characters ever find out. Yeah. Right. It's for our benefit only. So it doesn't have that emotional oomph and it doesn't it doesn't feel satisfying in the way that I was kind of hoping they might if they stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. But then even that, you set that aside and once again, ladies, the takeaway message that we have is that there is no safety for white cishet men in the judicial system. Like, Dan was always going to get fucked. That's the message Mm, that we take away from this episode. Like, the show's through line is, well, it doesn't really matter what would have happened because Dan never would have gotten a fair trial. So his outcome was predetermined the minute that he was arrested. And I'm like, that's the message? That lady prosecutor was sure out to get him. Mm. And everyone else, right? The system was gunning for the white straight man. And you're just like, oh, my God. Like, we nailed this at the midway point of this season. Mm. And the show delivered on the worst possible message it could have given and that these white cishet men are justified in doing what they did like even though they are the ones they are the violent ones in the story other than alex but they are justified they're doing it because of what the women are doing you know it's not it's not their fault yeah they're (laughs) driven to it the system is stacked against them exactly white men (laughs) (laughs) and (laughs) yeah the true victims you know and you know i i love a good female killer i love female villains and i really like to explore that kind of element of like femininity but like if you're gonna do that go all in like give Mm -hmm. me a woman that's the killer you know so it's like they tried to say something important and then they just like completely they pulled punches exactly they pulled the punches because they didn't want because they still like i feel like underneath it all wanted alex to be sympathetic but also wanted her to be crazy and you can't Mm -hmm. do that at the same time you know yeah that's so much ball fumbling in this it's really astonishing you know, we're recording this too far in advance for reactions to have come out from this <laughs> finale, but I am going to be eagerly looking for interviews from this creative team. So Alexandra Cunningham and Kevin J. Hines, the two showrunners, uh, series creatives, I need to know what the fuck they were thinking. Like, how yeah. do they not even like, oh, how do they justify this ending? But like, do they even realize what they fucking put out? Because mm-hmm. this feels so mishandled, so misguided, just so fucking inept. I need to know, did they always intend for it to come out this way? Because it feels like a huge mistake. Yeah, I'd like to know what they think they're saying. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're definitely saying something. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, this is going to sound weird. I don't know how this is going to be received, but... <laughs> I am shocked that a woman worked on this show. Same. Oh, 100%. With that ending? that No, yeah, that's just like that. Yeah, I, and I'm i sure that, you know, the, the reason. Oh, well, it, it's campy. You know, no, she, it has, is not. She, she has, <laughs> you know, yeah. she has the same like kind of goofy, you know, scary smile that Alex has. It's like, it's like, you know, what is this? The thing? Is she like, <laughs> is she like... <laughs> transferring this energy to 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 ellen now i mean what what are you trying to do here 
Oh my god. Okay, let's talk about this Ellen thing. We have had problems with this character the entire fucking show. We have lamented what they are trying to do and unsuccessfully trying to do with her. And then, yeah, I think, Gina, you said it over the over the email thread that we had going about the show, where it was basically just us yelling in all caps at each other. <laughs> what the fuck are we to do with this ending with Ellen? Oh Alan? my god. It's not even a plausible scheme. No, like, it's not plausible could, at all. You could tell that that's, that's edited not how mental, mental illness is not contagious. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, smile would have you believe otherwise. You that's can't, true. You can't. You can't pass on borderline personality disorder, you know, onto someone else from a, a five minute conversation when they were a child. Right. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that does seem to be the implication because I could see like if they were saying Ellen's experience with a broken family because of what her father did has led to her own mental health issues. I could understand that. I could see Mm -hmm. that. But that's not what they're doing. They're showing us this five minute like we finally find out what happened while she was quote unquote kidnapped, which was they they had a pleasant conversation and she got some candy. Yep. Which, again, not okay because she didn't no. have the parents' permission. But, like, she and, and she is essentially telling them don't trust anybody. Which, sure. you know, I can understand that message, too. And I don't know. I might like, have she, a... Like, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a fairly... I mean, you know, the, the situation isn't normal, but it's a fairly harmless conversation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's no, it's no worse than, like, like... You know, you always hear stories about people who, you know, they, they have their, their parents are divorced, their dad comes to visit them, and, like, the dad's like, don't ever trust women, son, they'll just break exactly. your heart, you know, and it's like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like, it's it's kind of a dumb thing for an adult to say to a child, but, mm-hmm. you know, generally doesn't, you know, it's, you know, that's, it's, that's all it it's is. It's not going to ruin them. Right, it's right. certainly not going to turn them into a stalker. 15 years later. And I, and I feel like the, the takeaway message is this sort of horror movie, the legacy continues thing. Mm-hmm. Like Alex won't stay dead. Now she's in, you know, now she's in Ellen. And it's like, Absolutely. get the fuck out of here. Come on. We might as well have had a Jennifer Tilly voodoo for dummies. You know, Alex, <laughs> Alex's soul goes into like, Ellen. Even the, even the same phrasing, the, oh, I, are you mad at me? I don't mm-hmm. want you to be mad at me. And it's like, mm-hmm. and it's like, it feels like such a winky, you know. Oh, yes. Like what Alex used to say. And it's like, mm-hmm. oh, my God. Yeah, what we fucking like, yeah, we got, got it. it. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you know, what do you think, what do you think this audience is about? bunch of morons come on you know no we just we need to explain Jungian dark shadow women to Eugenia in multiple <laughs> scenes yeah I, I mean yeah to be fair all this you know you know Ellen's you know numerous monologues about Jungian theory was definitely was you know turned out to be foreshadowing at this yep. point where you know you think that she's actually she's talking about Alex she's actually talking about herself Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, whatever, you know, I mean. <laughs> so they do know how to foreshadow a killer. <laughs> right. They just did it in this one. And, okay, so I was kind of DMing Gina because I watched this. As soon as we stopped recording, I watched the next episode. So I was like, it's going to be Beth. It's going to be Beth. And I was so excited. <laughs> like, I was picturing the whole Game of Thrones. Like, I want her to know it was me. Right. Me, you know, it's like, oh, that's going to be cool. And this episode starts with Ellen describing how she chooses what to order. And that's yep. like a line of dialogue that we have to listen to. Um, <laughs> it's like 60 seconds. Yeah. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? 
the sense of pacing on the show. I know we have complained about it now for eight hours, but the reality is, is that these are 55 to 58 minute episodes and Mm. I cannot believe what they use the screen time for. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just, just, I would say a good 65 to 70% of the real estate of the show is just, is people talking. It's just, just talking. Mm -hmm. About nothing. Things that yeah. don't matter. Not, yeah. Nothing that has to do with the actual plot at hand. And then we get glimmers of great greatness. Like, there is a good show here. You know, it's just... And, you know, I, I think when we were talking about we were surprised that a woman worked on it. I don't necessarily think I'm surprised that a woman worked on it. But I think I'm surprised that a woman got equal billing as a creator on this. Because I can tell that there is someone who knows about mental health, somebody who mm-hmm. knows about betrayal, someone who knows what it's like to be cheated on. Like, I can tell that there's a lot of empathy going into the show. It just feels like there was an executive director who was probably a man who came in and just took large chunks of that out and put the Dan as the victim. Yeah, this does this does feel a little bit, because of how it's so abruptly... You know, goes in a different, far worse than anybody expected direction. Mm-hmm. It does feel like like interference somewhere. Yeah, which makes yeah. me so frustrated. Like I remember watching the Stand miniseries and being Oof. just so bummed because I have been wanting a Stand remake for so long, and now who knows how long it's going to be till we get one. And like this was the perfect time for this movie to be readapted and to be reimagined and kind of reclaimed, you know? And it just, like, I don't know. I wouldn't want to touch this if I were adapting anything with a 10-foot pole for the next 10 years, you know? No. It's just baffling how... I, I. It's hard to say wrong, right? Like, it's clear that the three of us did not appreciate this show. It didn't do the things that we expected. We grew frustrated with it, whether that's our fault. You know, we said repeatedly, we don't think the show is actually well constructed in terms of telling its narrative and how well to use its characters. Mm -hmm. With that said, though, I just... I still don't understand why they would have gone down this particular road. It feels like... We don't trust the source material or the audience's interest in telling that story in a different way. And as a result, we just get bogged down with all these immaterial, inconsequential characters and subplots. And Mm -hmm. I just don't understand how no one who was working on the show said, what are we doing? Why are we going this way? Like, this is so far removed from what drove people to check out the movie Mm-hmm. And yet we are using this as an example of sellable IP because we think people are going to be attracted to it. Like you have misunderstood the appeal of the film, taken it in the complete wrong direction and put like an opposite effect message on the end. Yeah. Right. And then, and then, you know, then have the audacity to say like, well, it's a more feminist take on it. Uh, oh, really? Right. Where, where, where is the feminism here? It's when you when season you, two. When you, <laughs> when you, when you, when you have the show ending with essentially someone repeating the stalking behavior, you know, and with someone who she hasn't actually had an affair with. Right. Like she just, you know, as far as I know, like, like, you know, it was her friend that was having an affair with this professor, mm-hmm. you know, where she had merely perceived that they have a romance, which is, you know, even more far gone than, than Alex's behavior. Because at least, you know, Alex had some, you know, 
reason to believe there might have been something going on with her and Dan. They actually slept together a couple times. But as far as I know, this was another thing they did poorly, that Ellen hadn't even slept with the professor. She was just in, you know, in love with him and now stalking him. Yeah. But Gina, it's so exciting and no. thrilling to watch <laughs> no. her put together an audio recording of him talking to her from his lectures. An audio recording, like, like I guess she, like, she was trying to do like, a deep fake of him telling her how he feels. And it's, and it's just like, no one's going to buy this, Ellen. Exactly. Is that just like to listen at bed? Yeah, is it for night? her? Is it for other people? <laughs> he's, like, he's like, I just want you to know that I love you. <laughs> it's like, yes, this, this sounds very realistic, Oh, it's so romantic. <laughs> Bring $20,000 to the here or... <laughs> Why don't you just tell me the name of the person? Well, okay. Who do you, who do you wish had been the killer? I want to say Beth. I think yeah. Beth I actually, I actually liked your idea of Beth and Arthur being in on it together. Like maybe, yes. like, like maybe Beth killing her and Arthur getting rid of the body. Yeah, yeah I like that. Protect my perfect family, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get this guy. Even if Arthur was a patsy and Beth didn't even really like him, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah, he was a, a useful make him a useful make him a useful idiot. Yeah. yeah, and then she gets to live in this big fancy house, you know. Yeah, I would have, I, I could have seen like Ellen killing too. Sure. Like I would have been excited for that. She was only like eight, though. I mean, you know, what's, what's yeah. an eight-year-old going to do? I mean, yeah. push her, I mean, we've all seen stairs or something. <laughs> and even then, an adult would still have to have got involved with her to to get rid of the body because she was That's found true. in like in like in like in like water or something. I think they said. Okay. Well, that's where I thought we were going to go, to be honest. I thought it was going to be that Beth goes to confront Alex and then Alex dies accidentally. And then mm-hmm. we call someone to come and help dispose of the body. And maybe that was Arthur. And then we lie about it. And then we end up getting married. Like, that would have been, I would have believed something like Logical? that would happen. <laughs> yeah. That, that is plausible. Yeah. Because Alex already exhibited herself to be a violent person. Mm-hmm. So I could see them having this, you know, reasonable conversation that gets out of hand and, you know, either, you know, Alex attacks Beth or Beth has out and, you know, she does the old fall and hits her head or something. Exactly. And, you know, so that way Beth isn't, you know, coded as evil. You know, yeah. it was it was an accident. And, you know, but, you know, the, the, the crime here isn't covering it up and, you know, kind of letting Dan take the fall for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because one of the things that was really frustrating to me about the series is that we excuse Dan for his infidelity at every point. Mm -hmm. So not only is he entitled and a bit of a smarmy douchebag at work, but, you know, he basically gets to have this affair, fuck everyone's lives up, and then he gets away with it because he then gets framed for murder. So it's kind of like, well, he he paid doubly, didn't he? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, I I wanted Beth to get fucking mad at him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wanted him to suffer. And I mean, he did go to jail, so he did suffer sure. consequences. But we didn't see any of that, you know? And we no. see him essentially get everything back that he lost, you know? I mean, it's rougher, and he's living in a, a you know, essentially a basement or a garage. But, like, he, everybody understands, and everybody is forgiving him, and mm-hmm. it's fine you know yeah and even you know at this breakfast or this brunch that he goes to with mike at beth and arthur's house there's this moment where 
Dan asks if he can have more of something, and he's told by Ellen, oh, Arthur prepared that. And he looks at Arthur and just says, of course he did. Mm-hmm. And you are I think you're meant to get this really sympathetic read for Dan, you know, oh, this is the life that he's lost because this other man has now stepped in and it's perfect. And then we get the exterior of the house as he stands by the pool and it's house horn, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And the <laughs> yes. whole thing is designed to make us feel so bad for Dan. And then we discover, oh, the man who's taking your life is actually the person who took it from you by killing the woman. And it's just like, I get it. It yeah. just it doesn't actually make me feel bad for Dan because I don't think Dan is a sympathetic character despite everything the show has tried to tell us. Yeah, not at all because he does not see himself as a sympathetic character. He sees or he sees himself as a sympathetic character, sorry. Right. And like I cannot forget that this show opened with him admitting his wrongdoing and mm-hmm. saying I caused this. I did this. I brought this on my family and then spending the next eight episodes just completely undoing that. And that's mm-hmm. why like I want I, you know Arthur if he's like twisting his mustache over there like they they had that option too. But just to make him as sympathetic as possible as well like uh... <sighs> yeah. I gather that all of the alternative versions of how the story could play out that we've talked about, it would have been more familiar. It would have been more conventional. And maybe people would have said, oh, well, this, you know, feels a little schlocky. We've seen it a bunch of times before. But I feel like even that would have been better than the kind of outrage and vitriol that we feel at the show for just fucking wasting our time. Exactly. That's the thing. Like, If you're going to make Alex the killer, make her a crazy psycho killer, like an audition, Mm -hmm. audition style, you know, give me something to chew on. And it's like, they're just like waving stuff in front of our faces and then snatching it away, you know? And Mm -hmm. it just, it makes me so frustrated because this could have been really good. And I see glimmers of things that are really good. Like the scene, this episode begins with Alex and Beth having a really interesting conversation I think that was probably the highlight of the episode for me because mm-hmm. one, I still like Alex says she's pregnant. I don't know if I believe her. And, and of we'll course never the show know. doesn't want to give us an answer. Exactly. I mean, we still don't, uh, we still have not seen a body. And Mm-mm. if we're going by horror movie rules, like <laughs> then she's not dead to me. So I don't know. It just is frustrating. But I did enjoy the beginning scene where Alex kind of essentially flipped Beth's own script on Mm -hmm. her and was like, no, 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 we are the one with the we're the ones with the connection. You're the outsider. And to see how much that hurt Beth, I thought that was that was interesting. And I could see Beth taking that and becoming a murderer with it, you know? You know what? I will fully agree with you. I like that a lot. I do wish that the actors had been able to hit a slightly stronger emotional beat like yeah it it was a bit more muted than i would have expected given where it goes Mm -hmm. but then in hindsight it actually just feels like it was meant to put a red herring onto Beth so that we would get excited thinking maybe she was the one who was behind the murder and instead it's actually just foreshadowing the fact that ellen is also going to repeat alex's words like i don't know yeah I get what they were doing, you know, in some ways, this is narratively well constructed, because it makes us focus on the wrong person, and then it pays off at the end of the episode. And yet, 
it just kind of makes me feel disappointed that they didn't end up pursuing it. Right. Yeah, because they present like five of these different scenarios throughout right. the last eight episodes. And it's yeah. like they keep they keep having us focus on other people. Like remember the neighbor that she lived across the hall from? Mm-hmm. Like D. Wallace. Yeah. I get yeah. Well and no, I was I had forgotten oh, about her. I was thinking about one. the neighbor she dated <laughs> who j- that she made the sandwich for. Like Right. I guess D. Wallace just showed up on set for a day and then went home. There was nothing really for her to do. Like, mm-hmm. imagine booking D. Wallace in a role like that and then doing absolutely nothing. <sighs> and, then, and then having the damn rabbit, yeah. the, the, the rabbit had, yeah. showing oh. up. Like, it's like, it's like don't don't tease us with this <laughs> rabbit. And then, you know, remember, remember the mm-hmm. rabbit? And it's like, yeah, I remember the rabbit. You know what would have been great is if the rabbit were somehow the killer, like the rabbit hopped onto the wrong thing and caused like she a chain the reaction. Or something. Yeah. There oh, we go. Yeah. I would have loved that. I mean, but like that's what we're saying. Like, go for it. You know, give me something. Give me something. Just, just you know, anything. Uh. Yeah. Honestly, can you imagine a redo of this with orphan first kill energy? Exactly. That's what I want. <sighs> with h- such hot casts, you know? <sighs> uh. I, I mean, I think the other thing that really, really disappointed me with this particular episode is that it is such a lackluster final episode mm-hmm. for almost everybody, but particularly Lizzie Kaplan. Yeah. All she does is die. Oh, and then she babysits or whatever yeah. and then causes like that's how that works. mental illness with the five minutes it is yeah <laughs> i feel really bad for the people that i used to babysit because they... apparently they're all infected now exactly <laughs> i know i'm just like, spreading all of these evil little women throughout nashville you know that's what we do oh <laughs> uh, okay um I do want to give one shout out to Toby Huss because yes. once again the highlight, and Always. he says the word "thingerdinger" <laughs> in this episode. It made me so happy, and it reminded me of my favorite moment in Halloween—not my favorite moment, but one of them when he talks about getting peanut butter on his penis. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he—he he, even though his character ultimately has almost zero no to do to exist. Yeah, yeah, he's basically comic relief in a in a in a show that doesn't really need it. Right. But he's but he's welcome all the same because all he's, the time. he's just so funny and like, you know, he's the only person that really actually seems to have Dan's best interest in mind. Mm-hmm. And he's also the only person who could be straight with him. And so I do appreciate even if his character is ultimately, you know, useless, I do still he's still my favorite character. Yeah. Here's the thing. Let's spin this character off and give him a kind of poker face procedural series where yes. you just get to watch Mike do investigations and crack wise and eat weird shitty condiments. And maybe Dan's twin brother, Don, no. also played by Joshua Jackson. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Stop it. I'm just trying to get Joshua Jackson a haircut and onto a screen so I can watch it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh my god oh, god. oh boy well you know can't win them all no and we certainly did not win this one no <laughs> no not for lack of trying though we really gave it a shot 
here's the thing. I'm remembering the conversations we had last summer into early fall when we were talking about physical season two, where there was a bunch of things that show was doing really well and a bunch of things that didn't entirely work for us. Mm -hmm. But the nature of the conversation we got to have about it felt really rich. Yes. And I'm thinking in comparison to the conversations we've had about fatal attraction and just it's all I don't want to say it's all. It's been a lot of us complaining and yeah. whining and venting and raging. And I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, I feel like they thought they were making a complicated adult show that was tackling some really serious issues. Yes. And we did not get that. No. no. I, I do not come away from this thinking of this story, mm -mm. you know, in a, in a new perspective. No. Nope, not at all. That's just so disappointing. It is because it's such... It should it shouldn't be hard to fuck up, or it should be hard to fuck up. It's a simple storyline. Yeah, mm -hmm. it, it shouldn't be you know, hard to do it right, and yet, and yet. Mm -hmm. Shockingly enough, introducing five hundred million characters <laughs> into a show doesn't make it 90 better. Ninety percent, yeah. which have nothing to do with the story at hand. You know, mm -hmm. they they show up for a couple episodes and then they just disappear, never to be mentioned again. Yeah. Except, except maybe to you know, you know, lecture Dan on victim blaming, mm -hmm. right? Which I still enjoyed every time, but oh, sure. mm -hmm. as a whole, right? But I don't, I, I don't uh, what the audience, I don't know what the audience's takeaway was supposed to be from that. It's like, yes, right. are you supposed to think yes, they're right, or you were, you know, oh my god, how dare they send this good man up the river to make a point? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no. it feels like the whole show, the ultimate point was to subvert expectations and to get a season two. That was Oof. their ultimate I mean, do goal. we really think their, their, their whole season two is going to be, you know, focused on, on Ellen? Ellen. Are they going to do a season two? I've not oh, heard. Oh, I don't think so. The, you don't think the show has it? no buzz and yeah, the, Yeah, it, it's been like resoundingly bad reviews. When the, when the embargo lifted, I was eagerly googling fatal attraction series review so i can like see what was coming in and be like yes are we I'm, alone in this <laughs> right and we are not and, okay. and for very much the same reasons that the the glacial pacing the you know the very uh you know conflicting message it's trying to send so yeah it's not like we're making any of this up mm-hmm well, that makes me feel a little more. But different. yeah, I, I don't think I've not heard like any sort of like, "Hey, is anybody watching the new Fatal Attraction?" It's like, like it does not seem to have that sort of. It doesn't have the buzz, right? The exactly. Yeah, which is a shame, you know. It is a shame. This is a huge missed opportunity, and I'm. Oh really yeah, sad. absolutely. But ladies, I'm not sad about where we're going to go next. No, I'm not. No. I'm very excited. <laughs> well, before we tell our listeners where we're going, uh, Jen, if people want to get in touch with you and talk to you about how we still don't know if Alex is pregnant, how would they, <laughs> how would they get in touch? That's right. Yes. Um, you can find me at Jim Ferratu on Twitter and Instagram. Um, hosting the Losers Club podcast and writing about mothers in pregnancy on uh, Dread Central for Matriarchy Rising. So yeah, get in touch with me because I love a good uh, prego intrigue. <laughs> Sounds good. And Gina, if people want to talk to you about 
other 80s movies that could be redone better than this how would they get in touch i am the the co-host of the kill by kill podcast where we actually talk quite often about 80s movies <laughs> um i write about television and movies at spool.net i have a substack gina watches things.substack.com and for hour long at last i am on twitter under gina does things <laughs> nice and i can be reached at b stole my remote and that's the letter b and thank you as always to the anatomy of a scream pod squad network for putting up with our shenanigans <laughs> and those shenanigans will not rest because ladies we have to go back to work because gina mm. you have selected a classic for us to cover I have, uh, and it's a real palate cleanser uh, yes. <laughs> for uh, eight episodes, whatever the hell Fatal Attraction was trying to do. It is nine to five. <gasps> Yay! So we're going to pour ourselves cups of ambition. It's going to be great. And I'm going to yes. talk about Dolly Parton. <laughs> and that's a movie that actually understands the message it's giving and then it nails does. it. Oh, could you imagine if they redid nine to five right now and just... They're trying to. Are they? Well, they've been <laughs> trying for years. Yeah. They uh they did a musical a Broadway musical a few years ago produced by Harvey Weinstein. Let's just burn it all down. <laughs> well, I'm sure we'll have much more to say about that film's feminist message uh, yes. when we return. But yes, until then, ladies. Take a child out for cotton candy and tell her how awful the world is. Just imprint on her. Imprint on her. <laughs> imprint on her. Lay, lay, your, lay your A, your crazy eggs in her brain. Oh my god. This is a wild game of survival. Anatomy of a Scream, Pod Squad.